พุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสัง
he would have had no idea. He was busy studying the traditional Buddhist training course in Thailand and learning his chanting and no doubt putting up with the, the rigors and of being a, a junior monk, probably feeling hungry in the evening and and lonely when he saw his friends that he was ordained with disrobing and feeling left alone and, and wondering about what his future was going to be and how long he was going to last as a monk because all his mates had disrobed. And, but thankfully, thankfully, he stuck with it and realised a profound benefit which he generously shared and made available. And here we are in rural Northumberland benefiting from these teachings. Sometimes I've heard it said that Ajahn Chah didn't do much study. However, that's not accurate. He did do the traditional study. In the beginning, when he was a young monk, he followed the, the path of a study monk, the Pariyati tradition, and, and was well-schooled in the, that aspect of the teachings. However, there was a point in his early years where there was a dramatic shift of orientation, of perspective, and it was precipitated by his, the death of his father. And although he had been a monk for several years and, and studied and could probably recite lots of aspects of the Buddha's teachings, when it came to actually dealing with the pain of loss of his father, he realized he didn't know anything at all. He suffered terribly. And out of that experience came a determination to not just study about Dhamma, rather to commit to practicing Dhamma. When the Buddha taught about the Four Noble Truths, he wasn't just giving a theory. He was presenting a, a path of cultivating the spiritual faculties. Sadha, virya, sati, samadhi, panya. Faith, energy, mindfulness, collectiveness, discernment. Cultivating these faculties, honing these faculties down so that we could study actuality, study the actual experience of suffering. And in one of his examples, in talking about this, he, he talks about how the difference between the word hot and the experience of getting burnt. Mm. You can say the word hot in English. If you don't speak English, it uh, doesn't mean anything. You know, so if you speak Thai and the word ron, and ron sounds like some bloke's name. In Thai, the word ron means hot. It communicates something. However, that word, that concept, is not the same thing as the, the actuality, the experience of heat, the experience of burning, the experience of anger, the experience of sadness. The experience of suffering is very different from the concept of suffering. And the path of practice is a training of our faculties so as to be able to meet suffering when it arises to meet suffering as an experience and look into it, not just theorize about it. So that shift in direction took place and after a few years of his already having been a monk. And, and then there was another very significant 
shift later on. I don't know after how many years he'd been a monk. However, he met the Venerable Ajahn Man, and at this time, he was still feeling very confused about his practice. He, he didn't have confidence, didn't have clarity, and and I heard this talk. Well, it was a recorded talk, and again, this is many years ago. I heard it now. However, I do remember aspects of what Ajahn Chah was saying and how he was reporting to Ajahn Man how he'd been reading the Visuddhimagga and he'd been studying the Sina Nitesa and the Samadhi Nitesa and the Panya Nitesa and that's the that's the teachings on integrity and the teachings on collectiveness and the teachings on discernment and and he, he had this expression teaching talking speaking to Ajahn Man, he used this expression, he says, Manglua we say Lao which means this all of this is beyond human capability. This is just too much, in other words. It's too much. He, he didn't have any confidence, didn't have any clarity, and, and yet he had all this information about Dhamma. And, <clears throat> and then he reported, Ajahn Chah reported how on this occasion, Lumpur Man said to him something to the effect that, yes, that's a lot, indeed, that's a lot. Can you make it a little? Or can you, instead of doing a lot, can you just do one thing? And that one thing is to study, read, look at your own heart. And that, again, was a turning point in Ajahn Chah's path of practice. From sending his attention out, following, wanting to understand and studying about Dhamma, to turning his attention in, to studying his relationship to the desire that's causing suffering right here and now in this moment. And as I said, this is many years ago that I heard this talk and some of the details may not be completely accurate. Maybe some of you have read that biography by Ajahn Jayasara. I expect he's recorded in, in that biography, this incident. And however, I feel like it's true enough to mention here. And I think it's an accurate representation of Ajahn Chah's presentation of the teaching, of the training that he imparted to those who visited and lived with him. He didn't say don't read anything at all. However, he was discouraging of just settling for information or a theoretical knowledge of Dhamma. And we did very strongly encourage developing the practice so as to basically be with where we're at now. Really, to be with where we're at right now. He encouraged greatly walking meditation. And those of you that have practiced walking meditation might know how easy it is to be walking up and down on your meditation track and, and the mind is going all over the place thinking about something that happened in the past, dreaming about what could happen in the future. And then, at some point, recognizing that you're not really walking. You're thinking, you're dreaming, or emoting, or worrying, or fantasizing. And so the training, the teaching is walk a lot. However, walking is not just about dreaming about what, how things are going to be in the future. And walking meditation is 
training our spiritual faculties so that we're really here in this moment, reminding ourselves just walking. Now, you can be walking and concentrating very hard and trying to achieve some special state of mind, or you could also be just one foot in front of the other, walking up and down, and then start worrying about, am I wasting my time just walking? You can follow that thought, am I wasting my time? Or you can return to just walking. Just walking. I'm not getting anywhere. Well, that's an idea, that's a thought. You don't know whether you're not getting anywhere. That's an idea. It's a worry, it's an anxiety, it's a doubt. You can return to just walking. And likewise with meditation, formal sitting meditation, and breathing meditation, breathing in, breathing out, knowing the body breathing. The mind can be dwelling on thoughts about, am I getting anywhere in my practice? Should I practice a different way? Should I go and live in a different monastery? This monastery is quite small, there's not many trees here. Maybe I should go and live in Chittus where there's lots more trees. And, or maybe I should live with another teacher who understands me better. And that's not breathing meditation. That's speculation. That's worrying. That's doubting. That's fantasizing. So just breathing. Breathing in, breathing out. Just knowing. Just knowing this moment. If there's doubt, then just knowing doubt. If there's worry, just knowing worry. If there's sadness, feeling sad because you had a disagreement with somebody. And, you know, what does sadness feel like? Do we have to go up into our heads and speculate about the psychological causes for sadness or uh, whether sadness, going to the future and thinking about whether sadness is going to disappear? And then, or can we just know this is sadness, just knowing, breathing in, breathing out, just knowing. It's so easy to follow the habits of mind, to always try to become something, to become a good monk, to become an acceptable personality, to become a great teacher. Ajahn Chah's teaching was letting go of becoming anything. The Buddha taught becoming anything is suffering. I was speaking the other day with with uh, Paul Brighter, some of you might know, used to be Warapanya Bhikkhu, one of the monks and lived with Ajahn Chah in the early days and of Wat Nana Chat and one of the people who very helpfully did a lot of the translations of Ajahn Chah's teachings and how we were talking about that occasion where Paul asked Ajahn Chah a question about the difference between being an arahant and being a bodhisattva. And Ajahn Chah's reply, as you might have heard, was, don't be an arahant, don't be a bodhisattva, don't be anything at all. If you're anything at all, you'll suffer. So being with where we're at, including when we're suffering. If you've got hay fever, and you're suffering from hay fever, can we just feel this feels like this. It's painful, it's unpleasant. Or do we add to it, how long is it going to go on for? What causes it? Should I start taking some drugs? 
that's not being with where we're at. Being with where we're at actually takes a lot of effort. It's quite an intense discipline. It means going against our habits. It might all might mean we feel like we're becoming very boring. Maybe our old friends find us boring. If we practice in this way, practice giving up the old habits of becoming that we used to, the old identification with the conditioned personality. And then our friends start to drift away because they find us not interesting anymore because we're not living in a fantasy world to the same degree. And it is difficult. Possibly even feels like dying. And it is kind of dying. Dying out of the old deluded being, the old deluded personality. It's a, just because it's painful doesn't mean to say it's bad. Again, this is why the Buddha his teachings on the Four Noble Truths, encouraging us to, to adjust our perception of pain and suffering. Instead of perceiving pain and suffering as an indictment against us, as an indication that we're failing, rather get interested in it. Does this pain have to be a problem? As a talked about many times before, the Buddha experienced pain. However, the Buddha didn't have any problems. The Buddha didn't suffer. And what's the difference between feeling pain and having problems? Well, that's a, that's a question that we need to be looking at. And how are we going to look at it? Well, the way to look at it is to train our spiritual faculties. Faith, energy, mindfulness, collectedness, discernment. Training our spiritual faculties so that we can be with where we're at. And even though it doesn't sound very much, it's actually very difficult. And thankfully, Ajahn Chah endured through the difficulties and did the work and realized the benefit. And so, with joy and enthusiasm and energy, was able to share these teachings. And 374 monasteries under your name don't just get built because you had a few clever ideas. It's Having clever ideas about practice is not difficult. Reading books about Dhamma is not difficult. Repeating stories about what this Kubarajan said or that Kubarajan did or that Rinpoche or this Roshi and so on. All of that, that's easy. That's really easy. However, a lot of it is just showing off. What's difficult is dying. That's what's difficult. Dying out of the old misidentification with the conditioned personality with the deluded sense of I remember we're not trying to get rid of the I we're not trying to get rid of the personality rather using our disciplined spiritual faculties to look at our relationship with the conditioned personality the subject of dying is not something that I shied away from and was and one, one occasion where I happened to be staying at Wat Pong, and I forget the reason now, I, it was before Bindabhat in the morning, and, and I was sitting under Ajahn Chah's kuti, and there's, there'd been a visitor from England staying in the nuns' community, and, and she was about to leave, and she came over with one of the nuns, and, 
and uh, they had a tape recorder and they, they gave it to Ajahn Chah, wanted him to just say a few words like goodbye or hello or something that, that she could take back with her to England and Ajahn Chah gave this very beautiful teaching which is translated and recorded as the, the teaching of the cobra or the cobra of the mind or something like that. And at the very end of this teaching, I don't know whether it was translated in the printed version or not. However, in the recorded version, if you listen to the tape recording of it, Ajahn Chah finishes his talk and then he said, make sure that you learn to appreciate these teachings before you die. And then he went on to say, actually what you need to do is die before you die. He says, Hyman Daigon, actually interesting, the word in Thai is very similar, die. Hyman Daigon die, ya Daigon, Hyman Daigon die. Don't go and die before you die. And what he's talking about, of course, is dying out of that deluded personality that's always resisting suffering, resisting reality, resisting life. And that takes a unique, distinct sort of effort. It's easy to judge our habits of resistance and our, or our addiction to abstract understanding. That's easy. It's easy to speculate and theorize about the path of practice. Mm. However, to really turn attention inwards and study the heart, to be with what's happening in this moment, that's a different sort of effort. There was another occasion where one of the senior monks had had met this American tourist in in Bangkok and, and brought him back up to Wapapong in those days, I think it was. And, and uh, one, day, one of these occasions where he took him to visit Ajahn Chah and was sitting there and this young fellow was looking a bit unhappy and Ajahn Chah just looked at him and said, die. <laughs> On one level, that doesn't sound very compassionate. You know, that doesn't sound very pleasant thing to be saying when somebody's unhappy or somebody's suffering. Before we really pay attention to what Ajahn Chah is talking about, it's a very compassionate, very kind thing to say. It's the truth. If you want to be happy, you've got to let go of this misidentification that we've been taught. We've been taught that the deluded personality, that the body-mind, is who and what we are. And unless we train our faculties and are willing to ask the difficult questions consistently, skillfully enough... then we're going to just remain in this state of of limited being, which is really unfortunate. That's really sad. And to tell somebody that that's okay and that's all you can do as a human being and perhaps things will be better when you die, that's not very wise, that's not very kind, that's not very compassionate. So Ajahn Chah's teaching was not about becoming anything. It was about letting go of everything. Having said that, let's again remember that letting go is not, it's not something we do. I don't do the letting go. The deluded I is actually the manifestation of the habits of clinging. That's what the deluded personality is. Habitual patterns of clinging. The way out of these habitual patterns of clinging is to once again, discipline our spiritual faculties and pay attention to that feeling of limited being, the feeling of suffering, to really look closely at it 
and see where, when and how are we turning this pain of life into suffering through clinging. And if we do it in the right way, skillfully enough, consistently enough, then we may have the good fortune to experience the letting go. To end this reflection this evening, I could perhaps quote that short Ajahn Chah teaching that's on the wall down at Kusla House in our guest accommodation, which probably most of you have seen, where it says, if you let go a little, you have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, then you have complete peace. Thank you very much for your attention.